Baptist this morning, and we had a great service this morning at the early as well. I think there were a lot of folks that thought that uh, they were at a different time than they, are, than they were because of the time change, but glad that you're here with us. We have a great marriage retreat every year, and this year it's coming up, and I want you to know today that, the, that you, can, you can sign up today, starting today on our website for that. It's in January. It's one of the best things we do as a congregation, and be sure and, and go ahead and sign up for that today. The cost is $150, which really the cost is much more than that, but it is budgeted that it doesn't cost each family more than 150 because we want everybody that can to go and be a part of that, all of our couples. You also know, and I thank Bert for mentioning it yesterday or this morning in his prayer, but you also know of the tragedy that happened Friday night and the eight young people or eight people that were killed in at the concert. And, and one of those young men that lost his life was a student at Memorial High School. He's not a member here. He uh, had friends here, but he was not a member here. But our community is grieving, and one of the things that you have seen Memorial High School did was put up green ribbons on their trees, and because that was his favorite color. And so yesterday, and thanks to our administrative assistants here, Jacinda Shanks wrote to the staff, what do we need to do? What can we do? And one of the things that we're doing is putting up those green ribbons you see on our trees. Amber Aubrey put those on for us, and we're very thankful for her going to that work and doing that, but showing our, our solidarity with our community and also our prayers, and we have offered other things as well to the high school, but we do grieve with our community in such a difficult time and pray for healing and pray that somehow in the midst of tragedy that God will be glorified somehow through all of this. This morning we're ending our series about unsung heroes. We're coming back to talk about God as our unsung hero again today, as you may recognize by our title of Hallowed Would Be, Be Your Name. And then we're going on to something different after that next week, talking about thoughts from New England. But this idea of God, it's not that God is a hero like a person is a hero. God is not a hero like a superhero, but God is so much bigger than all of those things. And today, after we hear news, after we heard about that concert and what happened, it just reminds us again for the umpteenth time every week that the world is in a big mess. I mean, some of you have said, okay, I'm going to cut the cable so that I don't have to hear about all the stuff that's going on, but you still have your cell phone, so you still know, right? There's no way not to know, and some of it's probably good for us to know, but we know we live in this fallen world that's full of messes. We know that there sometimes seem like there are whole countries that have lost their minds. Sometimes it seems like people in our own country, sometimes even in our own congregation, sometimes feels like, what in the world is going on? What is everybody thinking? Am I the only one? Maybe it's me that's gone crazy. It just seems so weird sometimes with what's happening and what we know about. And I don't have any answers. Well, I have a few, but they're not answers that really help anything about why things are the way they are. But this is what I do know for sure, and, and, and we'll stick with this forever. God is still God. God has always been God. God is God, and God will always be God. God is in control. God is the one to worship, and God is the one to lean on in the midst of our, of our struggles. We do not go away from God he is the one stable thing we have. Some of us have thought that maybe our families were stable and then they became unstable. 
We maybe thought that our relationships, maybe our marriages, our relationships with our children and our parents were stable. We might have thought our jobs were stable. And then all at once we find out those things aren't nearly as stable as what we thought they were. Let me tell you what is stable. It is God. We hold on to God and hallowed be his name. Way back in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, but today we look at Matthew chapter 6 and just one verse there for a moment when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, and, and they say to him, you know, how do we pray? And in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus starts that prayer with this phrase. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or hallowed be your name. Now, I've done a lot of sermons, and you've heard a lot of sermons about this whole prayer we often call the Lord's Prayer, and we're not going to look at it all today. We're only going to look at this one verse of this idea of being hallowed or hallowed. What does it mean? Hallowed be your name. You have probably heard the, the jokes or maybe even heard your own kids or maybe yourself say at some point, our Father who art in heaven, Halloween be your name, right? You've probably heard that before. And, and they do come from the same thing, believe it or not. But it's not Halloween, it is Hallowood. And so what, what does that kind of thing mean when Jesus says, that, says it? Well, a person's name described who they were at their core, or sometimes it described who God was at his core, what God had intended for them. In the Old Testament, words would be put together to be names. Now, when we come up with names for our children these days, usually they don't necessarily mean anything. When, when, uh, when we were looking for a name for our youngest daughter, we were wanting a name that, that was in our family. And we got out literally a family tree we had on paper and looked at names. And so we were living in Brazil before we had much internet, didn't know what was going on in the United States, and looked at all those old names in the family, and we chose Emma, and we knew that nobody was named Emma, and she would be the only one. And we come back and find out it was the most popular name in the United States that year and for the next few years. But it was the idea of, we just want a family name. There are some Emmas in my family, I don't know anything about them, but we wanted a family name. You would, and some of you have named your kids various things. You just like the way it sounds. Sometimes you do look and see what it means and hope it means something good because that's all you want. You would think with my name, being a preacher, my name is David Daniel Duncan. You would think David Daniel, I'm named after King David and named after Daniel in the lion's den and what faithful spiritual people my parents were. But my mother was really just looking for three Ds. That's all she wanted. And she said, you know, Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone were on TV back then and so that's what I picked. And that's all it was. But in the Old Testament, a name meant something. And so, for example, you have Abraham, and you have, his name was first Abram, and his name means, in Hebrew, exalted father. But he had no children, you remember, and so God changes his name, and God says, okay, from now on, you'll be Abraham. And you go, okay, big deal. What's it go from Abram to Abraham? That's not much of a difference. Add an H. And God says, now your name will be Abraham and for us in English. But what he was saying to other people is, now you are, your name is father of a multitude, can you imagine what it must have been like for Abraham whenever he would walk into, a, into a, a, a place of trading and say, I need to buy some grain, and well, what's your name as they write down, or however they did it, and he said, Abraham, father of a multitude. Wow, you must have a lot of kids. Are you a dugger? You know, whatever they thought. And they'd say, how many kids do you have? And he'd say, none. God was telling him what he would be in the future, that he would be the father of a great nation who had descendants that were greater than the sands on the seashore and the, sun, and the stars in the sky. There were names like Elisha that meant that God is salvation. 
There were names like Elijah, which they would say Eliyahu or Yahu was what it would sound like. A little bit odd to us. That last part, Yahu, is part of the name Yahweh. El, as you may know, is God. And it was saying what Elijah's name means is Yahweh is God. Or God is Yahweh, depending on which way you go with it. God is Yahweh. Well, Yahweh is the name we know that is the name of God. It means I am. And when God says I am is my name, which he said out at the burning bush whenever Moses asked him. What it means is I was, I am, and I will be. I've always been, I am. Were you in? Yep, I was. But are you? I am. But in the future, I will be. I am. Yahweh, the name of God. And so... And so there are other words that are used that God will say, describe him, or names of God that we may say, but this is so powerful that God is saying, I am with you no matter what. I'm stable. I was stable back then. I'm stable now. I'll be stable in the future. Your family may not be. Your nation may not be. Your job may not be, but I am. I have always been the one that is firm. I will be. Well, a person's name described them to the, to the core And what he's saying here, what Jesus is saying here about his father as he begins that prayer, is that God's name, God, is holy, that God is set apart, that he is different than everything else, that God is pure, that God is above reproach, that God is great, and really everything about him should be treated with holiness. It's not that we just kind of treat God a little bit with holiness. It's not that God is just treated with holiness on Sunday. But everything about God, his thoughts, his being, his love, his attributes, that God is holy. Well, the Jews held his name, Yahweh, especially that name Yahweh, in the highest of regards. Matter of fact, whenever they would read the name Yahweh in a scroll, when they'd have those big scrolls and they'd be reading out loud, and they would read the name Yahweh, they would come to that name and they would say the word Adonai, Instead of Yahweh, and Adonai is the word Lord. It would be like every time you saw the word you saw the word Yahweh, you say Lord. You'd say, well, it's spelled Y-A-H-W-E-H, but you say the word L-O-R-D. Because they never wanted to use his name in a way that wouldn't be appropriate. And how could a man of unclean lips say the name of God? So they wouldn't even say his name. So whenever, and especially whenever they were putting together the Old Testament, the way they would do that, and they would write manuscripts, you would have one person at the front who would be the chief rabbi or the chief scribe, and he would have all these people out in front of him that would have tables, and they would be writing out, out on, on, on skins or on parchment, and they would be, they would be writing out the, the, the words that he would say, and he would start, say, in Genesis 1, and say, in the beginning... And the scribes would all be writing what he said as he would read and they would write, In the beginning, God created the heavens. And they'd go word after word after word. And then finally they would get to a point that would say, Okay, everyone stop. After they'd finished maybe the book of Genesis, say, What is the 700th word in your document, in your scroll, or in the piece that you're writing? And if they were wrong and, and the 700th word wasn't what everybody else had, they'd say, Okay, throw it away, burn it. We'll start over. They were serious about writing down the word of God, but the name Yahweh was even more. Now, whenever you see the word Yahweh in your Bibles, it's going to be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in many of your versions. 
And so when you're in Genesis 1, you see the story of creation, and it's just the general word for God. But when you get to Genesis 2 that retells the story of creation, you see, you start understanding, or Israel understands, oh, it wasn't just a God that created heavens and earth. It was our God, the great I Am, that did that. Because what you see in Genesis 2 is the word Yahweh. You see Lord in capitals. They see Yahweh has created heavens and earth. And so the scribes, as they would be out there and they would be reading and then they would come to the word Yahweh, they would stop and they would put down their writing instrument and they would go over and they would wash their hands because they wanted their hands to be clean. Lord, give me clean hands. You remember from Psalms, give me clean hands as I write the name Yahweh in this scroll. But if you were really a conservative scribe, you didn't wash your hands, you did, but you went and took an entire bath before you wrote the name Yahweh. So when you get in some passages of the Old Testament, especially, say even in Genesis 2, you can see it in your Bible, you can look at it now if you want to, you may see Yahweh, Lord, as you see it there in the capitals, but Yahweh written 12 or 15 or 20 times in a, in a chapter. And so if it is written 15 times in a chapter, you know that many of the scribes took 15 baths as they were writing that, that chapter. Because the name of God was holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They didn't want to do anything at all that would in some way desecrate God's name. They honored it above all. And to think of the way that God is treated these days is just really hard to fathom, isn't it? I just wonder, and I know God's people in the Old Testament really went away from him, obviously, too, but I wonder sometimes what he thinks about us and even the way sometimes maybe, maybe we do things. Now, some of you, as you hear me talking this morning, you're going to say, well, David, you've given some other sermons before about another description of God of where you have said he is our Abba or Abba. I say Abba because I'm from Oklahoma in the Texas Panhandle, and that's the way we say it. He is our Abba. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it says in Romans 8. And that word Abba is such a sensitive word. It's a beautiful word that what it's like is it's kind of like the way we would use the word dad. It's kind of like the way we would use some have said papa. It's this term of endearment. And honestly, I don't know a good word to use because every word that I know of to, to use, I think of a, of a human but it's this word that is so intimate that, you, that we are able to use about our Father, about Yahweh. And so you say, well, you know, you say these, this about him, so isn't he just like, you know, kind of like, really, we're really close to him? Yes, he does allow those who are in Christ to call him Abba and be that close to him. But because he does, we treat him with ultimate respect and honor because of who and what he is. I love it in that song that we just sang, and I had not even thought of it until first service when we sang it before. Only a holy God would allow us to call him Father. Because I know my foibles, and God allows us to call him Father. That is incredible, and it makes me just love God even more to think that he would want to have a relationship with me. And he doesn't say, just call me God, as in I'm going to rain down thunder on you. But he does give us that opportunity to say, I am your Abba. 
that you are so close to me that you are a child of the creator of the world. Hebrews 12, verse 28 is a powerful passage where it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Wow, I think we just read about that, or we just sang about that, right? This is where it comes from, from Hebrews. And so he says, understand who God is. Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For he's a consuming fire. And that sounds kind of scary. And sometimes whenever I was a kid, we would read these kind of verses and we'd say, okay, good, do it. Well, we would somehow think if you were to have reverence and awe, there can be no joy in the room either. That the only way you can have reverence and awe is if everybody's in a bad mood, everybody's scared to death. That's not the way it is at all. I remember when I was in college, there was a, a man who came to my university, and, and he, had, he was a, what we'd call a war hero. He'd been in World War II, done some incredible things, been, and, and, and had stories that just were bigger than I had ever heard in my life. I remember he even told the story of meeting Hitler, and I mean, he, it was incredible. And a friend of mine were sitting there together, and we were totally mesmerized by what he said, and we talked about it, and, and I don't even know why we did it. We're just a couple of 19-year-old kids, and and we decided we would ask this guy to go to dinner with us. So we said, would you go to dinner with us? And he said, yes. And so we went and we ate dinner with him and listened to him tell stories. And we asked him questions. And, and he told us one story after another. And let me tell you, as far as a person goes, he's not God. And I don't want you to think I'm saying this in any way. But in a human sense, we were very reverent as we listened and realized what he had done. And we were in awe from the stories that he would tell and the people he had met that we had never been anywhere within the same continent of. But there was joy at the table. There was laughter sometimes at the table. There was, there was an excitement to be there. It wasn't like he's just about to get up and leave because you smiled. That is not what it means to have reverence and awe toward a person or especially toward God it is about being in the presence of our Abba, but at the same time being reverent toward him and being awed, awed by what we see and what we are experiencing because we have a loving relationship with God. We have a loving relationship with God because God loved the world so much that he gave the only son he had so that we would believe and that we would follow him. So that his son would forgive us through his blood, would forgive us in baptism, so that we would be with him forever. Not so that he would just kick us to the curb after we are saved, but so that we would become part of the family and be at the table and be fellowshipping with him. But because he loves us, we have to remember that we still that he is still our father, that we still respect him, we still love him, that we still honor him because he is our father. He is still God. So it's not like, okay, because I get along with him, I don't have to respect him anymore. Because he's nice to me, I don't have to respect him. You know, sometimes that happens, like with the teacher sometimes, right? That, that kids, because, because they like the teacher, sometimes they don't respect the teacher. At least that happened back in my day sometimes. Now, we still love and honor and respect God even more so because he loves us so much and he has done 
so much for us to open up the doors so that we can be with him forever. We don't give up. I also want to say this. I am so thankful that I had a great relationship with my father. It didn't last a long time because he passed away, but so thankful. Some of you in this room, you had great relationships. You still do with your, with your dads. And whenever we talk about God, you imagine these great things and you relate them to your fathers. I understand that and I get that. I do too. But I'm sure that there are people in the audience that probably never knew their father. There are probably some in the audience that had a horrible relationship. Maybe were abused in ways that we don't even want to talk about. And when you think of a father, you don't think of things that are good. You don't think of things that are wonderful or lovely or whatever the different words the Bible uses. And that's not what comes to your mind. Well, this is what I want you to know. Way back, whenever I entered, or I guess after we came to Memorial, I think it was either my first or second sermon. It was Father's Day. And the name of the sermon was, anybody know? I'm joking. The name of the sermon was, The Father You Always Wanted. Because some of us didn't have the dad we wanted, but God is that father. And because he is that father that is stable and with us and does not leave and does not shake and does not tremble and does not abandon and does not go away, We love him and respect him and honor him even more than before. You know, I know this for sure, and so do you. No one wants to be manipulated. No one wants that. But I kind of guess that there are folks that try to manipulate God all the time. People think that they can get by with whatever. We'll just show a little lip service to God, then do whatever we need to be, whatever we need to do. We don't want to be manipulated, but let me tell you this, God won't be manipulated. Sometimes, for example, maybe we're going on a, let's just say, a fishing trip. And so we say, oh boy, I'm going to go on this fishing trip, but it's Sunday morning, we've got to do something. Okay, well, we'll get that little bit of Lord's Supper thing that, that comes, a travel pack, you know, right, that we have now for everybody. We'll take that, and we'll take the Lord's Supper, and maybe we'll say a prayer real quickly, and now let's go. Maybe you say, okay, we got a ball game. We got to take the Lord's Supper really quick. Okay, maybe, oh boy, well, maybe that's not enough. That was fast. We're going to read scripture. Okay, Jesus wept. And then we go. You know, if you're saying, I need to have some time with God and take the Lord's Supper and maybe read some scripture and maybe sing a song, whatever, before that trip or before that game, and it's because you want to commune with God and you love God and you want to be with God, and you want to start your day with God, that is beautiful. That is wonderful. Praise God you did that. But if somehow this is some kind of little magic forum, uh, uh, formula that I'm doing this so I don't get zapped so I can go off and do whatever I have to do, that's kind of like paying taxes. You know, what is the least I can do and still be okay with God? Well, God, you won't give me this week because I took the Lord's Supper and now we go. No, that's not what it means to worship. That is not what it means to love and respect God. But if it's I want to truly love and respect God and honor God in doing this, two people do the same thing. One is right and one is wrong. Because God will not be manipulated. People get manipulated sometimes. 
And so, and I love advertising. I think advertising's fun. Barbara gets on to me because she hits the mute button when the commercials come on, and I, that's the part I like. I like to watch the commercials. I could have gone into advertising. So if you are in advertising, this is not against you, but I want you to hear this. This is how we get manipulated into buying something. Our sandwich is a quarter pound of savory flame-grilled beef topped with juicy tomatoes, fresh lettuce, creamy mayonnaise, it's too close to lunch, I know, ketchup, crunchy pickles, and sliced white onions on a soft sesame seed bun. I mean, you hear those words, savory, flame-grilled, juicy, fresh, creamy, crunchy, sliced, soft. That is a Whopper from Burger King. And let me tell you, I've had some Whoppers from Burger King. They're not that bad, but that does not describe one. But you read that, oh, wow, we've got to go there. Where is that place? And if they just changed the name and charge $29.95, we'd think, wow, that was a great burger, wouldn't we? Yeah. People try to manipulate us because you know what they want? They want our money, right? And so what is it that i got to give you so I can get your money? What do I need to do? I watch, we watch Shark Tank sometimes. I like that show. And they'll say, okay, how much, did, how much are you charging for this? $19.95. What did it cost you to make? $0.27. Cents. That's a good deal, right? That's what they say because it's how do you make it? We understand that. We get business, but we don't manipulate God. God cannot be manipulated. He knows. In Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, which has about seven sermons in them, but you only get one because now you're hungry to go to Burger King, but it says this. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now the part we're focused on today is every single knee that has ever been born will kneel before God. This is not like I'm off on my own thing. This is not like I'm going to get away with it. No. Every knee will bow before God. Years ago, before we ever moved here, probably 17, 18, 19 years ago, a family called and said, we need your help. My daughter's having struggles in her marriage. Can you come over? And I didn't know her daughter very well, but I went over. She had married a man, interesting story, but we're not going to get it today, from Eastern Europe. And so as we sit down and we're talking, we're going through things, I said, did you ever go to church? Because he had said he believed in God. I said, did you ever go to church? He goes, oh yeah, all the time every week. He said, my grandmother always goes for us. I went, what? He said, yeah, my grandmother represents the family at church. It doesn't work that way. You understand what I mean? It doesn't say every grandmother's knee will bow before the Lord. But every knee, God will not be manipulated. God knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows our struggles. And it's not like 
He doesn't think we're going to sin. He knows we're going to sin. He already knows our sin. Matter of fact, he, he probably knows more about our sin than we know. Well, he does. And he still loves us. And he still wants us. And because he loves us and wants us, even though he knows more about my sin than I do, that is all the reason to run to him and say, say, Father, Yahweh, Abba, whatever it is, you're it. I want you. I need you. Please. That is all the reason to respect him and love him and be with him. And all the reason not to run away from him. Because he loves us. And he wants us. Psalm 148, 1 through 5. These are the verses that were before the part that Don read this morning for us in the scripture reading. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let him praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. Now sometimes we wonder about songs that are so repetitive. Well, let me tell you, the psalms are very repetitive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. The angels, praise him. Sun and moon, praise him. Creation, praise him. Nature, praise him. People, praise him. Old people, praise him. Young people, praise him. And everybody in between, praise the Lord. Wow, this is powerful. The Lord is the only thing we have that is stable. It is the only thing. He is the only thing that lasts forever. It is the Lord. And so we praise God for who he is and for what he is. And so my question for us today is, do I think I have God in a box? I didn't say, do I have God in a box? Do I think I have God in a box? You may say, David, I've never said that. I don't think that, never thought that. But when I get sick, I start praying. I take God out of the box and pray for me or for mom or dad or whoever, and then I put him back in the box whenever it's over because now I don't need him anymore. Or... You know, I lose my job, so I pull him out of the box, and I start praying to him, and then I put him back in the box when I get a job. Or I really need, boy, the country's in a mess and, and election coming up, so I better pull God out of the box and pray to God for a little while until the election's over, and then I'll put him back in the box. Put God in the box, out of the box, in the box, and out of the box. Let me tell you, he's not in your box. God was, God is, and God will always be. He sees right through it. Whatever we think we're doing, he sees right through it. And so how do I respond to that? I admit it. I admit I've been putting you in a box, trying to. And I change. And I come before him and I say, Lord, I don't deserve a thing. Well, I do deserve a lot but it's all condemnation. But because you love me so much that you gave your son, and then you provided this plan that you told me to believe in him and to be sorry for where I've been and be baptized into him, that you would take away my sins and in his place with the gift of the Holy Spirit, you would live with me, God. I'm going to be authentic and transparent with you, Lord, because you are Yahweh. 
not because you don't know, but because I need to tell you. And then I put God first, and I hallow his name and his being and his actions and his sovereignty, and I say, you are it. Some of us maybe need to be baptized into Christ. God's not playing games. We can be baptized in, into him today. You can walk down here and we'll go and baptize you right behind this screen. You go into the water. We say some, some words, baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which comes from Scripture for the forgiveness of your sins. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You go down, you come up. And in that time, God is working miraculously because he's taking away sin and providing the gift of the Holy Spirit and making us a part of his kingdom. You can do it during the service. You can do it after the service. You can do it this afternoon. You can call me in the middle of the night and call somebody else. Be here. You can be in your swimming pool, wherever. And others of us, we may need the help of the whole church. And you can come forward. The whole church will pray for you right here on the front row. Or if you want to write to the elders, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, you can write to the elders at elders at mcoc.org. And they will be praying for you. Let them know if it's public or private. If it's private, they're going to keep it to themselves. Or you can talk to your spouse or kids or parents or friends or whoever it is. Maybe you came with today, and maybe it's somebody who lives in another state that you want to call this afternoon or text and say, I need you to hold me accountable to put Jesus first, to hallow the name of God, because he is the one I serve and the one I follow. And today I will be different because somehow I showed up and God worked. Not David, but God worked. And I will be a different person from now on. Come this morning as we stand and sing.